Good morning, Ascent family. I don't know about y'all, but I am loving these videos because it allows us to see what God has done and what God is doing in the lives of those in our community. And if you are new here and you don't know this space of Ascent, uh, my name is Aisha. I get to serve as a prayer pastor here, and I'm also one of the teaching pastors. And for the past few weeks, we have been in a series entitled Go, where we've been looking at passages where God is telling us to go, go and make disciples, go and sin no more, go and forgive, all these things, and how do we respond to that? And for me, there's a few specific things that come to mind when I hear the word go. I instantly think of a green light. You know, you learn that as a kid, green means go. The next thing that comes to mind for go is I think of a race or a track meet. You know, as soon as you hear those words on your mark, get set, go, you bolt off and you run as fast as you can. And if you're anything like me, my childhood nickname was Square Wheels, which indicated how slow I was, but we won't talk about that today. And does anybody remember watching cartoons on a Saturday morning? Like the good old days, cereal, I like my cereal soggy. I can't help but think of poor Coyote and the Roadrunner. Meet me real quick, Coyote didn't stand a chance because Roadrunner was so fast. And in all those instances, go is equated to fast. Go requires urgency, speed, and an instinct to move rapidly. Y'all know what we love more than fast? how we can make something go even faster. Does anybody remember the disposable camera, huh? You didn't know if you had something in your teeth. You didn't know if your hair was a mess. You had to wait to get those pictures. And you didn't know the worst thing would be when like your finger was covering the lens and it just destroyed the picture so much. Um, I'm very late to this trend, but I appreciate the gift that is the crock pot but y'all, the Instapot, that is a game changer. Shout out to Chris Lagadros for putting me on that. And lastly, we had Amazon. It was good, it was fast, it was a gift, but you know what? We wanted Amazon to be faster, so we have Amazon Prime. Get it in two days, sometimes in one day. And at some point in my sermon prep, I either get led to like a song, a TV show, or a film, so here I am on YouTube looking at clips of the movie Coco. How many of you have seen Coco? Yes, I love it. Okay, so I'm looking at all these clips and then one of them catches my eye. It's 10 things you missed while watching Coco. So I start watching it and I see that there's like this Incredibles poster in one of the scenes, Finding Nemo, you, you're nodding your head, you must have seen that, that video. Finding Nemo is in there. Um, just these things that you wouldn't normally be able to identify at the pace of the film. And I'm just like, man. And then the next video in my queue is 122 things you missed while watching Coco. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then it got me thinking, what are we missing? Because we are moving too fast. What are we missing? Because we are all so busy and our calendars are so full. What are we missing? Because we are exhausted and depleted and burnt out and tired before it even hits 3 p.m. Instead of being fully present, and focused on one thing, 
what are we missing in the midst of multitasking? I want you right now to imagine God sending you a text, an email, of a customized YouTube video that says 10 things you missed this week. What would be on there? What prayers have you been praying that God has been trying to give you clarity on? What direction have you been longing for that God is clearly trying to show you, but you're missing it? I wonder what would be on there for all of us. And y'all, as I looked up the definition for go, I didn't see anything about fast. I didn't see anything about speed. Actually, what I read is that go simply means to move, specifically from one place to the other. So sometimes when God is telling us to go, the pace he is calling us to isn't fast, it's slow. And as we wrap up this go series, I believe God is inviting all of us, myself included, to slow down. Slow down. Slow doesn't mean stagnant. Slow means moving forward at an attentive pace, attentive to God, attentive to our souls, attentive to our emotions, our mind, our body, and attentive to those that are around us. Slowing down invites us to see, hear, and experience what busyness causes us to miss. Slowing down invites us to see, to hear, and experience what busyness causes us to miss. This morning, I believe God wants us to expand our perspective on go while at the same time embracing slow. Did y'all see what I did right there? Expand our perspective on go and embrace slow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are gathered here today seeking to hear from you. God, we know that your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us clearly and specifically. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would have your way in me and through me and that you would remove any distractions that would get in the way of us hearing what you want us to hear today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This morning, I want to take a look at one of the more popular psalms. Can anybody guess what that is? What is one of the most popular psalms? Y'all know I like when people talk back, right? Somebody? 23. Thank you, Ben. Psalm 23, one of the most popular psalms, one of the most quoted. And I'm just going to read and focus on the first four verses. See, normally I give my little, my little, um, can't even forget what I call it, my little tagline. I let y'all know I like when y'all talk back to me, and I forgot it today. But I'm just putting it out there so we're all on the same page. Awesome. So today I'm just going to read the first four verses of Psalm 23. And then we're just going to break that down line by line and see what God has to say to us about slowing down. Psalm 23, verse 1. says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 has been attributed to David. Before he became king, before he defeated Goliath, he was a shepherd. He took care of the sheep. And what David has been for the sheep, God has been to him. And the shepherd's job is to protect, provide, and care for the sheep. We see God referred to as a shepherd in Ezekiel 34 in the Old Testament. Jesus referred to as the great shepherd in Hebrews 13 and the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5. But my favorite passage actually comes from Jesus himself in John 10, where he describes himself not only as a shepherd, but a good shepherd. A shepherd who is willing to defend and protect his sheep by any means necessary. A shepherd that is present. A shepherd who has a personal relationship with the sheep. David didn't say the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is like a shepherd. No, that's David's personal testimony. He has seen how the Lord has protected and provided and cared for him. The shepherd calls his sheep by name. Y'all, John 27 is a verse that radically changed my life, changed how I approach prayer, changed how I approach Jesus. It says that my sheep hear my voice. Jesus is referring to those who put their faith in him, who will become followers of him. If a sheep can discern the voice of their shepherd and not follow the voice of a stranger, how much more does God want us to know his voice? How much more does God want us to have that same ability that sheep do in knowing their shepherd's voice? But the question I want to ask you all today is how much has a culture of busyness spilt over into our prayer life? How much is a culture of busyness in our schedule and all the things we're doing getting in the way of us hearing God? How many times have we said we don't have enough time to pray? We're too tired at the end of the day to pray. If you're like me, you're not a morning person. You don't have it in the morning to pray. You have a long to-do list. You have a long responsibilities. The kids are up early in the morning. You don't have time to pray. Prayer is not an option. So maybe busyness keeps you from prayer altogether. Or maybe you're just in the habit of praying hurried, rushed prayers. I'm actually really good at this, unfortunately. Um, because it took me a while to just get comfortable talking to God. So then um, what happens is instead of it being a dialogue, our prayers can turn into being a monologue where we are just talking to God and asking him questions. God, I want you to show me this. And God, I don't know what to do. And I don't know if this relationship is for me. And I don't know if I'm supposed to move. I don't know if I'm supposed to take this job. And we say all these things and we so quickly conclude within Jesus' name and never give Jesus margin to speak to us. I'm saying this because I do this. I'm saying this because I'm not a morning person and I love talking to Jesus in my car. And in my car, I'm not in the space to listen. I gotta focus on the traffic. I, I gotta focus on what's going on around me. 
the good shepherd wants to speak to us. The good shepherd wants to speak to you, but if you are so busy, so distracted, always in a hurry, how can you hear him? How can you hear him clearly and completely? One of the favorite, ooh, that came out so interesting. <laughs> this is Jesus to be like, don't take yourself too seriously, girl. You're going to stumble on all your words because you got to lean on me. One of the more familiar, that's the word I was trying to say, stories of Jesus is when he goes to the house of Mary and Martha. And he goes in there, and y'all know this story. Martha's so busy, all the things, all the preparations that she has to do. And Mary, she pauses, she sits, she slows down, and she listens at the master's feet. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do today, tomorrow, this week. God is inviting us to do the same, to slow down and listen. The next, it's not even the next verse, it's just part B of verse one. Y'all got a lot to say and I hope I can get through it all. I shall not want. I don't know about y'all, but whenever I read that verse, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with the wants that I currently have in this season? Because I got some. And there's other translations that say, I have all I need. And what I realize is that there's a difference between what we need and what we want. But we're often in a society that shows us things on social media and the internet, and even just conversations with people that we need more. We need a bigger house. We need another degree. We need that new iPhone. We need that new car. I can't even keep up with iPhones. I don't know what number they are on right now. Telling us we need this next thing, we need more, which ends up leading us to this win-then mentality. When I get that house, then I'll be at peace. When I get in a relationship, then I'll be happy. And if I could just pause and speak to the singles in the room, I don't know why I'm turning this way, but I don't know if I could speak to the singles in the room. I hope that you see singleness as a gift and not a curse. I know too many times in church, we put marriage on this pedestal and you feel like you're missing out and it's nothing wrong to have a desire to be married or to be in a relationship, but enjoy your single life. Live your best life, live to the full and don't wait for anybody else to complete you because you're whole in Jesus' name, okay? All right. All right, now I got to pivot back because I was feeling something about the single part. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you funny. Mm. Mm -mm. I love y'all. What I believe David is speaking to when he says, I shall not want, is true contentment. Being satisfied and content in the presence of the good shepherd. Y'all know Philippians 4.13, it's like the first verse that I learned in church. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of times that's taken out of context. What was Paul saying? Paul was actually thanking the Philippians for their gifts. And if you read the verses before that, he's actually speaking about contentment. He actually says twice that I learned to be content. Let me read it to y'all. 
starting at verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus gives Paul the strength to be content. Dependence on and trust in Jesus is the key to experiencing contentment. Sometimes we focus too much on what we want that we don't yet have, that we neglect to see what we need. Sometimes we focus too much on what we want that we don't yet have, that we neglect to see we have what we need. The community of friends a year ago, a few months ago, you were praying for and you didn't have, and now you have people not only to hang out with, but that can pray for you, that can encourage you, that can speak life over you, that job that came out of nowhere, or the fact that you don't have a job, but for some reason God is sustaining you in this season, that you're paying your bills. Amen, I know somebody felt that, hello? I have been there. You're in a place where you just got a diagnosis from a doctor. But thank God that the doctor caught whatever it is quickly so you can get treatment. When we slow down, we're able to see the Lord's provision in our life. And in doing so, we will experience both contentment and gratitude. Ooh, we looking a little pressed for time. Still make sure you give me like a big red sign when I, when I hit that. All right. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, I'm going to try to be really clear and concise in what God has given me to say. For those of you that know me or have heard me preach, you probably heard me say that I'm not an outdoorsy person, that I don't like animals. I'm <laughs> I love that so much. Um, You know, it's just not really my thing. So I don't know much about sheep. And whenever I've read Psalm 23, whenever I've been in like a store and I've seen something with Psalm 23, I envision it literally. I envision this lush, green, filled, no filter needed, just so beautiful. But what if I told you that the picture in our minds that we see when we read that verse, is inaccurate. Now, I'm also in seminary, so this is something I literally learned when I was today years old, like a few weeks ago. (laughs) Back in the day, you wouldn't want sheep on land like that, land that could be farmed. So actually, I gotta read this, because again, animals is very much out of my wheelhouse. The regions in Israel where shepherds live were predominantly wilderness areas. It looks a lot like the grass that you've seen on Via Appia Way or Highway 42 or 287. So when you think about that, he leads me beside, he makes me lie down, I'm looking at my next verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures. There's a different imagery there. Actually, as I started looking more into this, there's patches of grass that grow behind these rocks. I I should have just grabbed literally a handful of grass from outside because that's what it looks like. And if you look at this pasture where the sheep are, it looks like they're in this wilderness. But then there's these rocks where there's these handfuls of grass. 
and that's where the shepherd is leading them to? Lord, you're going to have to make it make sense for me. Green pastures aren't everything you need for the rest of your life. It's trusting the shepherd and knowing that he will give you exactly what you need for that moment. Exactly what you need for that moment. I also love the wording. It says, he makes me lie down. For those of you that have kids, toddlers, aunties, grandmas, grandpas, all the things, nannies, you babysit, you know at some point in time you're going to have to put a toddler down that doesn't want to go down. And they're going to be cranky, and they're going to fuss at you, they're going to yell at you, and they may say some mean things at you. Oh my gosh, I've been told some mean things. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to do something for you. I'm trying to look out for you. I know the parents looking at me like, yes, this is my life. This is my life. And you know, Jesus tells us to have childlike faith. Oh, but sometimes, y'all, we got childlike actions. And he will try to get us to a place. He knows what we need. He knows what's best for us. So he's trying to get us to rest. He's trying to get us to put away our to-do list. He's trying to get us to lay down and take a nap, to stop working at home, to be present. And we are fighting him. And we are resisting him. But God will slow us down even when we resist because he knows what we need. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to try to fly through these next verses. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Y'all, our soul needs to be restored. Life, situations, storms, just dealing with people, y'all. We need restoration. Restoration that won't always come from an eight-hour or a 10-hour nap. Restoration that won't come from binging our favorite shows on Netflix. Y'all, I love doing this. But that's not the restoration that Jesus is offering us. There's a restoration of our soul, of our mind, of our body that only God can give. Yesterday as I was praying about this, I said my soul needs unhurried time in God's presence. There's something that happens when I come in this place and I'm not worried and I just worship when I'm at home and I make time to sit with him and be with him and just rest in his presence. I'm not studying his word. I'm simply just saying, God, I see you. What do you have for me? What do you want to say to me today? And there's something that he does in my soul that words, words fail me. I can't articulate it, y'all. It's something you have to experience. You have to draw near. He says when we draw near to him, that he will draw near to us. Who is doing the leading in your relationship with God? And again, not an animal person, but I had this vision that came to mind. I did actually, let me tell y'all, because I know we have a lot of animal lovers in here. I did have a toy poodle growing up, and his name was Prince. And um, again, in my car, because that's how God speaks to me a lot, I'm just remembering the times I'd be like, come on, Prince, come on, Prince, come on, you guys like that. And then I just wonder, how many of us are doing that to God? The shepherd's supposed to be in front. The shepherd's supposed to be leading us. But here we are trying to tell God, God, follow me. God, this is what I want to do. God, I really want to be in this relationship. God, I'm, I'm trying to go over here and do these things. Can you, can you come over here? And we got it backwards because the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord leads us. The Lord is out in front. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 37, 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
The shepherd guides, the shepherd directs. And y'all, we have more in common with sheep than we would like to admit. Sheep are prone to wonder. Sheep can easily get lost, but our shepherd will redirect us. Our shepherd will leave the 99 for the one and do so with love and grace and compassion towards us. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Family, we must relinquish control so the shepherd can lead us. Whew, y'all with me? Okay. The last verse, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What are the shadows you're walking through right now? Is it a shadow of confusion? A shadow of grief? A shadow of unemployment? A shadow of infertility? A shadow of addiction? A shadow of loneliness? A shadow of divorce? A shadow of isolation? What is the shadow that you are walking through right now? A shadow of sickness? As I read this, something I'd never seen before that God highlighted to me was, y'all see that it says we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But Psalm 91 also tells us to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So there's a shadow that we walk through and there's a shadow that we abide under and that is God's presence. If Psalm 23 is considered a psalm of confidence, I believe it's in the presence of a shadow that we're able to discern, are we really walking by faith? Are we walking by fear? Are we trusting that our shepherd is with us? Or do we believe the lie that we're alone and abandoned? We can walk with confidence when we are in a shadow because God's presence is with us. That's what he promises to us over and over again, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And y'all, I fully believe that God does some of his best work in the shadows. God does some of his best work in the valley, in the low places. That's where he builds and, and deepens and strengthens our trust and dependence upon him. It says a whole lot about a person when they can praise God in a shadow and in a valley than when they can praise him on a mountaintop, than when they can praise him when everything is all good. And y'all, the last thing that I want to say, that verse mentions both a rod and a staff. The rod was something, and shout out to Rod, I see you over there, he's so amazing, does so much for our church. The rod was used to defend the sheep from wild animals. I'm really tempted to like imitate to you like, I'm not even gonna do it because it's gonna take me to a whole nother place. (laughs) But the shepherd will use that rod to beat off wild animals, to beat off enemies and protect the sheep. And the staff, a lot of time the staff would have this little hook, just imagine like a life-size wooden candy cane, but it's wooden and it's a staff. And the shepherd would use that If the sheep is going out too far, it's like, "Uh uh-uh, boo, we're going to pull you back right here. The shepherd would use that staff to redirect. 
And a lot of times it don't feel good to be redirected, but you know what? When we have that GPS and we make that wrong turn and that wrong mistake, I am so grateful for the redirection because I would be lost. I would be confused. And I believe part of our slowing down allows us to see if we're doing the leading or not. Slowing down allows us to see that God is with us. We're reminded that God is with us. And like the scripture says, the battle, the battle is not ours. God is going to defend us. God is going to protect us. And y'all, as I close, slowing down invites us to see, to hear, and experience what hurry, what busyness causes us to miss. God is inviting every single one of you that are here, every single one of you that are watching online, to slow down. As you listen to this message, as you listen to my words, what was the one thing that came to mind for you? What was the one area that you're like, oh, I should probably slow down in that area. I wanna encourage you to lean in and apply this message to your life, not just for today or tomorrow, but get into a rhythm of slowing down. Slowing down is often not talked about as a spiritual discipline, but I very much think it is. Slowing down. If you're a bit time-challenged like me, wake up earlier. Give yourself more margin between meetings and things that you do. If you are a list person, what are some of the things that you can take off that list? What are some of the things on that list that you can drop the ball on? What are some of the things on that list that you can delegate? How may God be inviting you in this moment to simply say, you need help to your roommate, or you need help to your husband or wife, or you need more support in a specific area. Being the first one in the office and the last one to leave, is that necessary every single day? How could that additional time impact life at home? How could that additional time positively impact your mental health? As we slow down, we are able to hear from God more clearly. We're able to see and rejoice in the fact that our needs are being met, that God is providing for us. We're able to experience restoration of our soul. And we're able to tap into a peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter what shadow we may be walking through because God is with us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this subtle invitation to slow down. I pray, God, for every person right now that we are thinking about our schedule. We are thinking about our rhythm. And God, you are giving us clarity. You are even showing us right now as I'm speaking how we can slow down how we can slow down so we can hear you, how we can slow down to experience contentment and gratitude and see that you're providing for us, how we can slow down for some serious and much needed soul care, how we can slow down and not be fearful and anxious and discouraged because we're walking through a shadow Father, help us to be reminded that we are not stuck in a shadow, that we are walking through, and you are right there with us. We love you, God, and we thank you for being on this journey with us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>